0: Podcast. Today we'll be discussing the Progressive Labor Unions. Yes, the labor unions often worked for better wages, reasonable hours, and safer working conditions. Because back then the working conditions were extremely harsh and I can definitely see why they fought for better conditions. I know me personally, I have a job as a cashier at a grocery store and I know that those working conditions would definitely not apply in today's society. I also
1: worked at a grocery store, Market Basket. Therefore I had a very similar experience. Not to mention that one must be a certain age to get a job in the first place. Which is really hard. You all hear that you hear all these stories about the young children working at very young ages to provide for their families, and it's really sad to hear all the horror stories based on the conditions they are working in. But present day, I believe that one that the age one must be to like work in one of these places is like fourteen or sixteen, depending on the job and the place. Yes, the age and working conditions are very different now.
0: Now, to touch base upon what the unions consisted of, we have a special guest, Bernie Sanders, to explain the meaning behind labor
1: unions and their importance in the United States. Thank you. We're happy to have you. Can you go a little in-depth on what labor unions are? Uh, So I think in this country, there has been a real hostility for the working people to get together, uh, to stand together, to create a government that works for everybody. And that's just the reality of where we're at. The answer is pretty simple. What a union is, is an understanding that when people come together, they have more power. That if you are dealing with your employer, and you're getting low wages, and you go up to your boss and say, Hey, can you give me some more money? The guy says, Hey, you know what? i got 10 other people who want this job. But if you walk in with a union, and you sit down, and you have collective bargaining, and you have the power to strike, for example, then your owners have got to listen to you. They have to listen to your demands. So that's historically what unions have been about. Now, in- thanks, Bernie. To further explain what Bernie Sanders said, let's discuss how and when labor unions were established.
0: Before labor unions officially became a common aspect in the workplace, the conditions were very poor, mainly towards women and children of the workplace. In the early 1900s, roughly half of the people working were in fact women, making about six
1: dollars a week for their families. However, the pay differed from job to job. For example, a woman by the name of Rebecca August was a buttonhole maker in Chicago. She was paid three and a half cents per buttonhole. So when her supervisor realized how many buttonholes she was able to make and thus far how much money she could earn, he cut her pay. She would have been making over $25 a week if he had not cut her pay, which would have been very, very weird for the time. That's actually
0: really sad that she wasn't getting paid for the amount of work she was putting into her job. Another really sad thing about this time period was the use of child labor. Children worked
1: upwards of 16 or more hours in a giving day. That's crazy. I heard a woman called Florence Kelly was a progressive who tried to persuade the Illinois legislature in 1893 to prohibit child labor and to also limit the number of hours women could work. She even organized the National Child Labor Committee to persuade state legislators to pass laws against employing young children. By 1912, over 39 states passed laws pertaining to the amount, of children, uh, the amount of hours children and women could work. She really was a pioneer in getting justice for those who were not being advocated for. I agree. There's also a woman
0: like that's like Florence by the name of Mother Jones. She was often referred to as the most dangerous woman in America. She was an Irish-born dressmaker and teacher who co-founded the Industrial Worker of the World. After, the, after her dress shop was destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, she joined the Knights of Labor and the United Mine Workers Union. Wow, she did a lot. Yeah, she did. She even pro- protested the use of child labor laws in Pennsylvania mines in silk factories. This resulted in her organizing a child march to the home of Theodore Roosevelt in 1903. She had serious guts.
1: Huh, that's actually kind of really cool that she was able to do all that. I just have one question. Um, What is the Industrial Workers of the World? I'm glad you asked. The Industrial Workers of the World is
0: a labor union founded in 1905. It is a general union whose members are, are further organized within the industry of their employment. It does have some ties to social and anarchist movements, which may be why it wasn't very popular after the first Red Scare, also leading to it being outlawed in Canada. It also clashed quite a bit with the American Federation of Labor, as they saw the IWW as too radicalized. One fundamental belief of the IWW is the following. A class struggle must go on until the workers of the world organize as a class, take possession of the means of production,
1: abolish the wage system, and live in harmony with the earth. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't really know that they had any problems with the AFL. They both had similar causes, kind of with like the AFL wanting to organize skilled workers into national unions consisting of others in like similar trades. However, they did differ in the sense that their purpose was not political in the same sense that the IWW was, and they simply aimed at shorter hours, higher wages, and better working conditions. Also, I think it should be noted that Mother Jones has ties to both organizations in a sense, that she co-founded the IWW and was a member of the Knights of Labor, which would go on to, you guessed it, be dissolved into the AFL. It's all full circle.
0: Oh wait, I almost forgot to bring up the International Ladies Garment Workers Union. That was also a really important progressive union of the time. It was cool in the sense that it was one of the only labor unions that only had primarily female members. It was founded in New York in 1900. It gained many members during the Uprise of 20,000, which was sparked by a walkout of workers of the Triangle of Shirtwaist Factory. Many of the walkout members were arrested for trivial things, and the walkout was violent in nature. This led
1: to an increase in membership. I heard, that the, I heard about the Triangle Shirtwaist factory before, I believe that they also came under fire for locking doors so their employees couldn't take unauthorized breaks and this led to many people being unable to escape a fire from the factory. Oh, it, would, it was the end of the workday on Saturday, March 25th, 1911, when someone dropped a cigarette butt or maybe a lit match into a bin of scraps and sparked a fire on the 8th floor of the Ash Building near Washington Square. The flames spread fast, moving upward to engulf the three floors of the successful factory where garment workers cut and sewed ladies' blouses. The majority of these workers were young immigrant women, primarily Italian and Jewish residents of the Lower East Side and Greenwich Village. Trapped and panicked, they died of smoke, inhalation, or burns. Some even fell to their deaths when the fire escaped, collapsed, and many more leaped from the windows. In the end, 146 were killed. It was a devastating event that led to an increase in membership of the ILGWU.
0: Yeah, that's right. I also think it's wild how they, how all of the unions lasted for so long, or even still around today.
1: I think it's cool that they lasted so long. It also reminds me of how much has changed. I remember hearing a story, it's a book called, I believe, The Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong the Factory Boy, and it's by Francis Trollope, and it documents a story of nine-year-old michael armstrong who rescues a woman by the name of lady clarissa Scrimpton from a tired old cow she insists that sir matthew dowling a ruthless factory owner and flirt reward the boy by taking him into the dowling household to impress her he adopts michael even though he cannot bear the idea of a factory boy living with his family once he finds himself no longer able to bear the sight of the boy sir dowling apprentices him to the deep valley mills where many unwanted children end their short lives the deplorable whole of Deep Mills Valley is described as a long, closely packed, double row of miserable dwellings, crowded to excess, and blanketed everywhere, with a black pall of suffering, poverty, and disease, as if the very shadow of Satan cast itself on them. Crawling infants, half starved cats, mangy curs, and fowls, that looked as if each particular feather had been used as a scavenger's broom, shared the dust and the sunshine between them while in an odor which seemed compounded of a multitude of villainous smells, all reeking together into one floated over them. <sighs> it's kind of sad. The novel has so much to say about the wretched conditions of industry workers and about class divide. The novel also subverts class restrictions by arguing that the poor, despite popular notions held to the contrary by those who were not poor, were not animals, and given the opportunity, could be educated enough to become gentlefolk. This compared to our ability today to be a part of a union so that we can protect ourselves from those horrible conditions described above, it just shows how much we've changed in the last 100 years in regards to the workplace and workers' rights. It's incredible.
0: Nice story. I know exactly where you're coming from.
1: I just
0: just wanted to take a second to thank our listeners for listening in to the podcast this week. Tune in next week when we will be discussing Theodore Roosevelt's influence on the toy industry. Bye.